Can changing your corner of the universe change the world? We think so. You've heard the quote, be the change you want to see in the world. But what does that look like? This is where we meet the people that are walking that out. One person, one idea, one decision at a time. Here's Baden and Rex. Hey, welcome to another episode of My Corner of the Universe podcast with Vaden and Rex. This week, we had the incredible opportunity to interview two just amazing people um, doing some incredible things in the world, Joe and Maddie. They run two different organizations. Joe runs the Global Hope Rescue Center in Kenya, and Maddie runs Evie Grace Foundation out of Australia, which kind of works in conjunction with what Joe's doing in Kenya. Um, Rex, where do we even start with this of how powerful this podcast was? Um, this was, in my opinion, I think the, the, I don't know, the most emotional podcast that we've ever done, yeah. the most meaningful one that we've ever done. Yeah. And we've had some great interviews and, uh, you know, this is one that just really tugs on the heartstrings. It, um, like you said, where do we even start? Um, we, before we did the actual podcast itself, we got to meet and talk to a lot of the boys that are, um, being helped by Joe's organization. Um, and it's one of those situations where it just really, um, sheds light on how, um, a, how lucky we are, you know, it's, it's easy to lose track of that because, uh, we all have our own problems and issues, but then when you get a spotlight of these boys that are on the streets, doing drugs as young as five years old, it just is such an eye opener to, um, you know, bigger problems. And it's, um, people like Maddie and Joe that are taking action that really, um, give people hope out there because, uh, without them, these boys wouldn't have a place to go. Um, and so everything that they're doing is, is really when we started this podcast was really to highlight people like this that are making a difference in a lot of lives and so um, yeah i know yeah. everyone that listens to it will have that same feeling yeah such a great interview um i learned so much about the the problems with a lot of these uh these volunteer um organizations in africa and some of the negative things that maddie gets into but what it was what i really want to highlight and make sure everybody knows when they listen to this podcast is how true and genuine they were, both Maddie and Joe. I mean, him taking the camera, turning around, how excited the kids were to all see the camera, how easy it was to get them on and talk. Um, yeah. it, it was just something really, truly special. It is. And, um, you know, one thing that we want to be able to do from this episode, too, is really, um, you know, we have listeners that are listening to us all over the country, all over the world, and we want to be able to help these types of organizations not only get the word out about what they're doing, but in a monetary sense. So what we've decided to do is the following week, the following Monday after this episode goes live, we're going to do a money bomb for um, the Evie Grace Foundation, which, um, you know, in this episode, you'll find that they are looking to get a new piece of property because currently they have over a hundred boys that they've rescued off the streets and they're in a, I think they said it was a four bedroom or even or a two bedroom. Three, I think three room. Yeah. yeah. And so they have all these kids, uh, you know, sharing bunk beds and they need a bigger space. And so um, they've got a piece of property picked out and we're going to, you know, try to help raise some money for them. So 
when you're listening to this, if you're like, wow, um, I can donate five bucks or I, I can only donate a dollar, it makes a difference in these kids' lives. So um, look for that. We'll be posting it um, not only on the show notes page, but also on our social media platforms. Um, so you can follow along there. Um, and, you know, I just know I can't wait to hear people's feedback. So please, you know, after you li- listen to this, comment on our Facebook page and, and let us know what you think. Um, Cause we'd love to hear that feedback and, and really hats off once again to Joe and to Maddie for what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Share the podcast after you listen to it. And then we're going to also release Rex talked about it, a bonus episode after this one of some of the kids in their interviews. And that's powerful, especially after you listen to this interview and get the context of what these kids go through. And then to hear a firsthand story um, directly from them of, of where they're at now, where they were, it's, it's truly, truly incredible. So with that, we hope you guys enjoy the podcast. And like Rex said, sh- comment on our Facebook post underneath it, share it, you let people know what's going on, and look out for that money bomb so we can really help these guys out raise some money for such a great cause. Yes, why thank you. Why don't we um, get started by um, Joe? You you um, can tell us a little bit about how you started the foundation, the name of your foundation, and then Maddie will transition over to you and you can kind of tell us a little bit about how you started the foundation and then how you guys kind of connected. So, Joe, why don't you okay. get started? Thank you so much. Uh, let me first of all say um, I was once a street boy before. Uh, so many years, maybe about 30 years ago, uh, I went to the street. Um, I was born in a family of a single mother with four children. I was the second born in the family. Um, my mother was a total drunkard and she could give us alcohol. I started taking alcohol when I was five years. Oh uh, she could practice uh, prostitution and other things. Therefore, she could give us alcohol and lockers in the house and go to do some things outside the house. Uh, that was very sad. So, uh, At the age of six years, my mom could not produce even one single meal in a day. Um, I went, started begging in the streets of Eldoret, a town um, about 500 kilometers from where we are now. Um, and uh, at the age of seven years, I went to, to, to the street completely and uh, I started my life in the street as a, a child. I stayed in the street for seven years, engaging in those behaviors, taking drugs, stealing, um, and went through so much uh, pain in the street. And uh, sometimes later I got rescued and I started my school, though a bit old. I started my primary school when I was about 13 years. And I went through the program and uh, I completed my high school when I was 24 years. And uh, later I got a chance to to go to university and I started engineering for three years. And uh, I got a job in Nairobi, uh, the capital city of Kenya. And I got uh, a very good job engineering work, which I never worked for long. Uh, When I was working and earned a lot of money, I met some street kids and went to find about where I used to stay with some friends and discovered that more than seven of my friends got, more than 10 friends got died in the streets because of diseases, because of stealing. People killed them, some were shot dead by the police. And it touched me so much and I felt like I need to do something uh, to to help street kids. So with my little savings in 2012, I came to Ngong here around this place and I met boys like Larry. There were so many street kids by then about 40 street kids in the street, and I had to interact with them, buy them food, start talking to them, giving them hope. 
but it was very difficult because they could not believe that that somebody can do something to them because many people are neglecting them, making fun of them, calling them bad names, uh, denying them chance to go to school, chance to eat, chance to access water and everything. So they did not have freedom in themselves. So uh, by starting a football club, we started opening to one another. Um, they started telling me their stories. And later, um, we, we had a small room where we could live with them. I, I put like a small TV there where they could come and watch TV in the night and sleep there uh, with six boys. Later, the center started growing in 2013 when we, 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 we registered it officially with the street kids. And uh, we started now talking to people. I started going to businesses. All my savings had gone. Now I became like the poorest person in, in Kenya, begging for money for people to help. Many people abused me and they talked negatively and they told me you won't make it because these are people who are cast that they can they live like animals. They are not they cannot change. But I never gave up because I knew the far I came from. Slowly by slowly they started going to school, they started performing well, the number kept increasing, people now started accepting them. Uh, and uh, until now when the number grew to about 100 and I think 117 former street kids, we live with them in this small compound. Um, but we also have others who ran away to the street again, but not many, like maybe 30 who went from this place and never came back. But the rest, they, they settled completely. Uh, and until um, maybe last year when we got into contact with Madi uh, of Every Grace, who wrote me an email and they wanted to partner with us uh, through a different program. But when they came to Kenya, they fall in love. And Madi with her Every Grace Foundation, they became our greatest partner and part of this family. And that is how we came to know each other and trusted each other. And we said, let's move forward with everything. So over to you, Madi. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Joe, for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any questions for Joe before I? Well, I, yeah, we'll circle back. You can you can oh, okay, uh, cool. kind of share how you started the Evie Grace Foundation and then how you connect with Joe. Yeah, um, so I started my foundation last year. Um, I first went to a volunteer program when I was 19 um, to Uganda and to Kenya. And um, I had a really bad experience actually because I learned about the negative effects of volunteerism. Um, and the ch children's home that I was placed in, um, they were actually all stolen to be there to because orphanages are now a business. Um, so wait, wait, what, what was that? <laughs> <That's> a, <laughs> sorry to stop you, but I never heard of that before. That's that was. Yeah, so this is the whole thing with like child trafficking because um, children's homes have become a business. So like Africans will see the opportunity of like, oh, white people coming there and making money. So then the kids are stolen. Um, from their rural areas so I was in Kenya at that children's home for like four months so the kids really opened up to me um, volunteers would just come for like two weeks and the kids wouldn't tell them anything because they were like how can you help um, so I actually ended up returning about 16 of them kids back to their villages I would just tell the founders like oh I'm just going to safari for three days um, and because kids wow. just come and go as they please anyway they thought oh they're just running away um, so I'd meet them in like a suburb over and then return them to <laughs> their homes, which now I look back and go, that was so dangerous for like a 19 year old that had never yeah. like left yeah. Australia. And then all of a sudden I was developing country and doing that. 
Um, but I got really touched with this one girl, um, Esther, and she was um, nearly six. So her grandmother was selling her as a prostitute from three years old. Um, and then as she was getting older, the grandma was like, you're no use to me anymore because you're used goods. Um, six is old for a child prostitute. Um, so that she got dumped to this children's home. And, um, yeah, we, I just fell in love with this little girl. She reminded myself me of myself when I was little. Um, I also had a pretty traumatic childhood. Um, I lost my mum when I was just two. So then I was in foster care in Australia. Um, all abusive, um, really bad things happened to me and my disabled brother as kids. So I, that's why I connect with these kids on a greater level because I know what it's like, what they're going with. And when I talk to the street boys, they would never think they have something in common with a white person. Like they, you know, it's this idolization of we must have these amazing lives and no problems. Um, so then when I stand up and say, I've done drugs as well, I've been raped, I've lived on the streets to survive as well. Um, they're really like, oh, my God, shocked. And then, yeah, I think we get along so well. But, yeah, anyway, so Esther, um, that's a long story, but she ran away like one morning or didn't run away. She wasn't at the centre and every time I'd come, she would just run straight to the gate. Um, so then this day I was like, this is really weird. So that's my dog. This is really weird. Um, she's always there because she was just terrified. Like she's been raped for three years by hundreds of, probably thousands of men. So she never left the centre. She didn't connect with anyone. Um, I was the only one but then when I was going around I knew something was wrong so I was like she doesn't leave everyone was like no I don't know they don't care and like the founders they were just doing it for the money you know as soon as volunteers brought would buy stuff the day after they left they would sell it like so the kids weren't even excited when I'd give them books and balls at the start because the founder they knew the founders were just going to sell it but obviously they weren't allowed to say that because then they'd be beaten and like yeah that's horrible. Um, so then I left, like I walked a few blocks down the road because um, I was like, I need to go find her. And then I saw her pink dress like flapping in the wind and I was like, why is she laying on the side of the road? Like this, what's happened? Has she been hit by a car or something? Um, so I ran over to her and I knew straight away she'd been raped. Um, like her legs were broken and her dress ripped, covered in blood. Um, it was horrible, the worst thing I've ever, ever seen. A motorbike come past and I was quickly like, oh, my God, like take us to hospital. So I took her, I lifted her up, took her. And um, the, host, the doctor was like, she's not going to survive. She's been gang raped. They've obviously tried to kill her, but she's like just conscious, tiny, tiny. Bit. And I was like, please, like just blowing lies up. Please just do anything you can, like save her. Um, so they're like, okay, it's like 2,500 for vaginal reconstruction surgery. Um, and I was like, it's fine. I put on my credit card, didn't even, the adrenaline was just like intense because I was like, mm-hmm. I'm in shock of, oh my God, I'm 19. This was meant to be an amazing volunteer experience. Yeah. And I'm like... Yeah, so I was in hospital for like 14 hours waiting. The nurse came out um, and I could see on her face straight away like she hadn't made it. Um, She'd bled to death. She'd lost too much blood already. So then um, the hospital was like so busy. Um, They're so under-resourced. She just came out with like Esther in a white sheet, which is now red, covered in blood, and like just gave me this child. So I was sitting there in the hospital chair like holding this dead six-year-old. Like, oh my God. fuck, what is this world? Like, yeah. disgusting. And I knew then, like, this is my purpose. Like, there's nothing else for me. These kids need help. Like, the world doesn't even know this is happening. Um, it's crazy. So I've been going back and forth um, since I was 19 doing different. Um, I've done, like, rescue missions in other countries and different things. But I've always 
I don't know, Kenya's like home and I feel so connected there compared to any other country. So I'm always finding myself going back there. Um, I was just funding projects on my own. Like I would just work and then um, I had a few partners that I would like, they'd keep me updated and send mine to and that kind of thing. And um, people were contacting me um, saying, why are your trips to, you know, these African countries? They look so amazing and yet we're having horrible experiences and it's because these the middlemen um, companies that are selling these trips take all the money. Like they're sitting in the nice offices in Europe having no idea they're contributing to child trafficking and, you know, like we're left at the airport for six hours. We have no idea who's picking us up. Um, when I arrived in Kenya the first time, like they blocked me. I couldn't email. I couldn't call. Like there was wow. no support. There was nothing. Is that, is that those companies you're talking about, are those just um, companies like for tourism or those companies that are facilitating volunteers going yeah. there? Yeah. So they, they're the middleman. The and like they'll match level. you, take your money and like put you and they say like, oh, I have this amazing volunteer experience, but uh, they've never been to Kenya. They don't even actually tell you that they won't be there they sell it like where they're in the country with you support and they're not at all. Oh, wow. So like volunteers is this massive, massive thing that people aren't even realizing their country is such a horrible thing. Some people are like, you need to start something because how people are going to volunteer regardless. And how do we know who to give our money to, who to go to? Like these poor kids are suffering more because companies in Europe don't even care like what they're doing. So it's like, I still was like even last year, uh, or no, sorry, two years ago, 2017, I met my friend um, Evie and we were like, we're going to change the world. Um, and I'd finally felt like I'd healed from Esther and was like, okay, let's, I can try and get back into this and cope with it because um, I was a mess. I was like, I went to a deep depression for so many years after that experience. Yeah, I can only imagine. Um, yeah. I cut off everything and everyone and I became a different person. I was like, People, I'm here, and people complaining about their five dollar coffee being too strong, mm-hmm. or whatever. And I'm like, shut the fuck up! Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> like, you, you have no idea what's happening out there. Um, so I've, yeah, I've literally lost everyone in my life, my friends. I've gave up everyone just because you, you realize you don't really have anything in common anymore, and they don't understand you and why you're giving all your money away, and why I say I can't go out for dinner and spend fifty dollars on dinner. Like, it's not. I just can't do it. Um. And then Evie, yes, we were going to start this amazing organization. She was suffering from depression. And a week before I was going to Ghana to do my um, reusable menstrual pad program, she committed suicide. Mm -hmm. Um, So then that was just a whole other thing that, Uh like, cut me down. I was like, I finally feel like I'd healed over Esther's, like, death going through that. And then all of a sudden, like, now my friends just took her life. And I was the last person to see her alive. So it was just, like, this whole mess again. Mm. and then um but last year i finally got to the point of like you know i'm not going through all this to not do something with it um and then i would just be like contacted all the time about the kids that have like dying being beaten girls raped eight months old being raped and dying and i was like okay this is my purpose in life and um i just need to heal myself from these experiences and i'm gonna go through this i've held a lot of dead children now um it doesn't get easier at all but you learn a way to cope, I guess, because mm. then there's other kids that need you. So you can't be a mess for months on end. Like you have to be able to pick yourself up and just say, okay, let's do this. So I knew of Joe's project actually while I was doing things in Kenya, but I hadn't been and met him. Um, I knew it through a few friends that um, actually helped like establish it and support it. They were Americans. And I kept saying like, go to this, you know, street boys home to the, 
And I was like, what do I have in common with street boys? Um, Because we're very misinformed. The first organization that I went with actually, when kids would come up and um, beg, they would say, don't give them money because their parents are making them do that or they're being like human trafficked. Yeah. So we then like volunteers are put in this mindset of like, okay, don't give them money because they're, you're actually making their lives worse because they're going to keep being sent out to give money, which is the case in some instances, but then other kids, they're legitimately, they don't have anyone. So we're told like the wrong information. And then when I would sit down and talk with them, I'd be like, okay, where's your mom or who's making you do this? And then kids would be like, no one, what are you talking about? And I'm like, oh, you're, you're just saying this, like, come on, you can be honest. You know, I'm still going to buy you some food. Just tell me what it is and they're like literally I have, I've been on the street for five years I don't know anyone I don't have anyone you know my mom and dad don't want me or they're dead or don't. so then I started like educating myself and um looking into that kind of thing so then yeah we went and visited Joe and then I just fell in love with them boys um and Joe's so inspirational and I've been with a lot of projects um I vet them pretty well because of what I've been through and I know when people aren't genuine and you know they're doing it to make money and like that kind of thing so I really looked into it and probably I asked Joe questions and he's like this is a weird question like <laughs> no one's <laughs> asking this question but it's all because I'm like yeah. I need to be accountable to even like the people that donate to me and make sure we're doing the right things um but yeah like my heart's fully global that now I'm obsessed with them boys and it's my whole life so I guess every experience has like led me to now these kids yeah yeah yeah. Joe, where where were you um, getting your funds before you met Maddie? Was that through uh, your foundation had people donating um, from abroad or how did that work? Uh, thank you. That's a very good question. Uh, the first one or two years when this project started, we had a lot of fight and rejection from the community, including the government. Uh, but when they, these kids started showing their talents and their transformation and performances in school, the community started to accept it. Uh, there was minimal crimes in our area because the same boys like Harry we are talking about, those are the same boys who used to steal from people and steal mobile phones, beat people on the way. Those kind of crimes reduced. Mm. And now people started to say, it's good for us to support this people to stay with the job because now we are safe so on that ground the, the community started giving us food okay so the local At, community great we have the, the biggest market in gong give us food every day like vegetables fruits uh we have others who give like one bag of uh, maize bag of beans uh, others give clothing and shoes and we have few people in Kenya, people don't give a lot of money in cash. They don't give cash so much, but they support a lot of things in kind. Mm. Uh, then the organization that's uh, linked to Madu with us is called uh, Longonot Education Initiative. Uh, they take care of about 14 boys with the school fees, complete uh, sponsorship. It's an American foundation. Okay. Well, so they... they of four boys school fees then the church that we go takes care of five boys school fees another church catholic church takes another four boys then we go to to to, to the schools and we explain to them we tell them these are our boys these boys don't have parents they don't have homes we offer to give them uh, 
uh, a chance at our home to be our children and it's good if you could accept them and take them to school so mm-hmm. they tell us we take you maybe for one year and then when you get sponsorship you can bring money to us so we start sending them to to various schools but when we get any person coming we tell them that we give them the budget and the fee structures and everything and people start responding like when madi came the first time we had a lot of balances with four boys and when i explained to her she already took the four boys and cleared all the balances at once and she continued paying fees for those boys and mm. when madi for those four i took some other two in the same school and told the same school now i've worked hard to find a sponsor now take this one take this one for free that's how we survive so uh, during christmas people give a lot of things during christmas people give money people give clothes people give good food but after christmas people don't come here again mm. so um, when we get such kind of donations in christmas we make some small projects like rearing chicken uh, putting on rabbits doves um and doing some small uh, some small projects i can show you for example um like um, this is this is a, a, pro, a, pro, a project for our, our center this is a t-shirt you can see it mm. is this our logo and behind is written i commit to stand with street street child so we sell these t-shirts and um we also have wristbands and necklaces uh bidwork the boys make it and when people come here we go out sell them and we can make little money to support us get maybe water we can pay our water bill we can pay electricity bill we can we can sort small medical issues with the boys here when it's too much we can always reach people like every grace and uh, um that uh, the american project at all they can help us they can give us something to continue supporting us we also have volunteers this is very funny people come to kenya to volunteer in other projects but they don't like they have a very bad picture about street children so when people hear about street children they have been already given bad mentality mm-hmm. that these mad these kids cannot interact with anybody these kids are criminals they are thieves they they are violent but when when you, when they visit here they not they realize that they are totally different people so they know that they have already been cheated so many people come to volunteer in other projects within Nairobi but when they visit this center they notice that these kids are totally different from what they know and then now they start telling me that they want to volunteer with us they start communicating with other people maybe from germany from denmark and some some few volunteers come to volunteer with us when we have a need like now the biggest need we have is like medical apart from land which is the biggest medical because the boys are really getting sick because of chest infection because of cold mm. we have now to ask volunteers to help us with a little money to send these kids to the hospital but paying water bills maybe electricity and small issues at the center we can handle it by income generating but what we do we make this project a community based that even the community in Kenya should accept that these kids come to them this project i have no any relative from global any child i don't have any child with blood relation here except my wife and my daughter the rest i don't know them i just collect them from the street so i tell people you must accept these children because these kids are your kids mm-hmm. if they don't go to learn 
they are going to become trouble in future. They are going to steal from you. The, your children will go to school and these people will come and, and break into your houses and also maybe kill you because of bitterness. So you have to come and support us. That's why we have people who give us five kilograms of sugar every month. There is another one who gives one kilogram of salt. Another one gives five liters of cooking oil. And if we don't have at all, there is sometimes we don't have that kind of donation. We ask from organizations like um, Every Grace or others to come in and, and support us, of which they do. So that's all how we survive here. Thank you so much for sharing that. It really paints a better picture for uh, you know everyone that's listening to this. It, it, they might not know what it takes to be able to you know run what you've established over the years. So thank you. Um, Maddie, as far as you starting the Evie Grace Foundation, uh, what did that process look like? I take it you had, I mean, you had volunteer experience, but you hadn't had experience with um, the actual process of starting something like this. Did you get help? What did that look like? Um, yeah, no, I did everything alone. And it's still, I mean, we're nearly a year now. Um, and it's still hard, like government red tape and, you know, it's tough, especially when you're supporting like international projects. Um, we get a lot of like people saying charity starts at home and why are you giving to these people that are just going to come here and rape you and crazy, crazy things like keyboard warriors. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I get a lot of hate. Keyboard warriors, um, I've heard that. Yeah, that's literally. But I guess it made it easier because I had been doing um, like supporting projects and running projects for like five years. So I knew how to... Um, like hold myself and explain, you know, I'm not just going there for the first time. It's not, I've never met these kids and treating like a zoo. I I know them and um, these are kids I've supported for years. So that's a bit easier, but yeah, it's, it's really hard, like fundraising and funding, especially as a new organization and being small, like large organizations in Australia ruined it for small ones because they do misuse the money. Um, And I don't deny that. And people say, I don't know if my money's going to get there. And I mean, a lot of us do have that mentality because you don't know. Um, but yeah, so I hope people just see like how much I sacrifice um, for a project. So, you know, if I'm putting in 80% of my income, you can be assured your $20 is going to go there. <laughs> like, yeah. You're having to worry about. So how, um, how does that part of it work? So um, someone donates money to Every Grace Foundation. Does that go into a bank account? And then that bank account, do you have like a certain point that reaches and then you send the money over to Joe? How does that work? Yeah, so it all goes into um, our Evie Grace Foundation bank account, which has like uh, two signatories. So it's not just me sending money where I like. You know, we have to sit down and discuss like um, this and this. But that's why I guess it's nice when I have my own um, like personal income as well that I can just, I don't have to go through them checks because if there is a need of like Joe says, okay, we really tried to um, get food from the community because first and foremost, I want to, like I want Kenyans to support it. So I don't ever want to be a project's like first port of call and and then they get comfortable and say, okay, mm-hmm. like money can always give money. It's like, no, let's still try and mobilize the community and educate and, you know, get other people's help as well because then we can support more kids. So it's like great if Good. if my bank account can grow a little bit, which hasn't been able to yet, but <laughs> that would be good. So if we have backup, so like Joe said, now all of a sudden like, you know, we have like 10, 12 kids that are really sick we're stuck because it's like there's everything's empty <laughs> it's like oh fuck yeah. um no if you'll find some money 
So yeah, um, it just works like that. And then I have a certain amount that I give to, um, I mean, I do my human rights education girls mentorship programs as well. So I partner with um, Sumam and Adada, which really Joe and Sylvia were really good friends and Sylvia was also a street girl. So I know my amounts per month, like, okay, this is what, you know, this thousand goes to my, the menstrual pads of girls we support through that program. And then um, I know the base of what Joe kind of needs. And then we just work out like on top, maybe there's extras that, you know, stuff, stuff's always breaking, stuff's always like our trailer broke last week. So that means we can't go to the market and get our fruit and veggies, which are donated. So then, you know, like that's the only nutrition we get. So that's super important. So things like that. And I just have to act fast and be like, okay, people <laughs> help me. Yeah. And I guess that's probably one of the things when you look for the school year, how much roughly is that cost to, for, for a child's education for a year or something like that? Like, for example, um, the ones that Maddie caters for, it's ap- approximately um, f- 15,000 Kenyan money every term. 15,000 Kenyan money. Maddie, how much is that in 600 US? Is 600 US. Primary, primary school, and then it's about 800 US per secondary. And that's like, that's for the term as a year or is that a half year? The whole year, yep. So there's like the four terms, so that's for a whole year. Um, there's a misconception on why like education's free in Kenya. It's not. <laughs> like I don't yeah. know where people pull that from. And people go, why are you paying for school? It's free. I'm like, what part of it is too free? Like, <laughs> I need to buy uniform, books, shoes, bag, pay the school fees, excursions. Like it's not free. <laughs> It's cheaper actually to send a kid to primary school in Australia than what it is in Kenya. Is it really? That's insane. Uh, kind of questions surrounding that. It would be, you know, the different ways that people can contribute. Uh, you know, there's obviously individual contributions that people can just donate. What about uh, the sponsoring of individual children or groups of children? How does that work? Yeah, so on either of our websites, we have our boys up um, that are needing a sponsor. So there's a little like blurb of their story and then their picture. Um, and then people can, like, which one you feel you might connect with, you can sponsor. Or then there's also a button like the most in need. So it's just whoever, um, you know, is the most. And some of these boys we can't put online and into social media just because of some of the situations they've been through and maybe um, like human trafficking situations, people might still be looking for them to kill them, to not, you know, expose what's happened. So we do have to, we have that element of um, protection for each one. But, um, yeah, I think definitely our sponsorship's different to any other organisation because who, like, what sponsorship program can you FaceTime your child? Um, you you know, I I know some organisations do, they just, it's like they photocopy the same picture and send that out and it's like crazy mm. because it's just not real. So you can see, you know, the boy, we can take a picture in real time, literally me and Joe like message all day. I chat to the boys all the time. Um, they can, if you want a photo or a letter, um, they can write that. We can send you the picture with them. Like there's nothing, you know, we're totally hundred percent transparent. The boys will sit there and say, thank you so much for sponsoring me, Alex or Vaden. And like people are shocked because they're like, Oh my God, how are you getting these? Like even last week with the trailer, everyone that donated, um, the boys each said a name, each of the people that donated and they were in shock. So like, I thought I would never see the results or be like, Oh, okay. I'm giving $20, but is it really going somewhere? I like to see the boys say my name. Like, thank you for buying this trailer. They were like, you need to, people need to support this because no one's as 
like transparent as you guys and can like yeah. offer that every time. Yeah, and that's something I want to highlight on real quick because from the first time we contacted you guys to when we first to got on this this video chat, um, it's been so open and transparent. And also, I don't know if Rex, if you were on the call yet at that point, but when Joseph turned the camera outside and started showing all the kids, I mean, they're all running around and jumping and waving, and it was like, like you said, it's it's sad that we live in a day that there's so much fraud and something as important as volunteer work yeah. going on. Um, but it is a real breath of fresh air to see the the realness of what you guys are doing and you know having the kids you know so excited to come in and talk and share their story and i'm sure if someone was like hey i'm a pretty big you know philanthropist i'm a big donor i want to give to them um <laughs> you know like this it wasn't like it was pulling teeth or it was really hard to get you guys on a call and see the kids like it was really easy to do and you guys were like hey check out the kids they all want to talk they, i mean we could probably have done a, a 12 hour podcast of just kid after kid wanting right. to come up and talk, <laughs> you know, it could have just, that could be a whole series of just kids talking and telling their story. Cause they were all so excited to come in and, and share. Um, and just, you know, it was, it was, it was special. It was, that's, I guess, yeah. maybe the best word to say. It was really special. For sure. For someone that's listening to this, uh, what does it cost to, to sponsor a single child? So like I said before, it's about 600 US um, primary or a bit less than that and then 800 US. I'm Australian dollars, so I need to like work that. But um, it's like $12.50 a week for primary and $17.50 secondary. So not like for an Australian that's less than, that might be half an hour work and then that puts a kid in school. Um, and to them, education is like number one thing it's it's so important they know that's the only way they're going to be able to um you know prove people wrong and better themselves and you know their whole lives they've been told you're going to be no one you know you can't even speak english and like larry said we have boys that are um like bivon for example he's 17 now and he's in class four so he's with nine-year-olds that takes a lot of bravery yeah. for that child to sit in that classroom with nine-year-olds at 17 and go, I don't care that they're laughing at me, that they're telling me I'm stupid or whatever. Like I'm, my education is so important and I've got this opportunity of sponsorship. Um, but, and I, like, I think I wouldn't have the courage. That's amazing. After everything we've been through and then to sit there like, and still be committed to yeah. their schooling. It's, yeah. And most of the kids learning English in school. Yeah. So English is. It's become like the primary um, language that they learn, which is really hard for the street boys that don't have any English. And then you have to go to school. Swahili is just a class. So they're teaching you maths in English and you don't know English. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it gets, yeah. And that's why I love like when the volunteer, when we bring volunteers and they can interact in English, it challenges the boys to be like, okay, you know, they, they want to learn English because they're like, I want to talk to this person. Yeah. Here. yeah. And my English isn't good. So they're like, Maddie, sit with me and we have to do English so I can talk to your friend. Yeah. Yeah. And so. Oh, go for it, man. I was just going to like touch, just touch on that real quick. Cause I, you know, Joseph, how much, like, let's say someone's listening to this podcast and they're like, gosh, you know, I'm, I got this going on in my life or whatever, but you know, I could probably give, you know, $20 here and $20 there. Um, how, how much, how much can that, like, how impactful is that? Just a small donation, you know, just small donations here and there. I mean, just to paint a picture for people to let them know how much that can really help out. Um, like for us, uh, we, uh, depending on the challenges we have gone through and all that, that 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 we have gone through and what we need and our future even not even a dollar even half a dollar it's very very important in this program yeah. um 
because there is uh, nothing kind of donation that is not useful in this project. That's why we keep on asking everybody, everybody who come, uh, come on board. People feel like if they have to reach a certain target for their donations to be accepted here. No, for us, we don't do like that. Because even one dollar can buy maybe five pens and five boys can use these pens for one month in school. So one dollar means five pens for the boys to use. One dollar means two exercise books for the boys to use in school. So five dollars means a boy has a, a backpack to go to school. Uh, Ten dollars means a boy has a, a, a good school shoe to use for six months to go to school. So we accept any kind of, as little as it is, as, as long as it's given with the whole heart and blessing, we accept it wholeheartedly. It's very important to us. Yes. Especially at the moment, like these six months, um, you know, when we decided like, okay, we're going to 100% commit to fundraising for this land, we said to the boys it's going to be really tough for six months because the money that, you know, we would have back up for extra things, everything is going to land. Um, so hence even like they're, you know, they're, they're getting out of the community, they're asking for food because the money that I would pay for food or other volunteers would say, no, like let's put that to land. So at the moment, like really it's it's tough now, even like me and my life, I'm, I'm not spending anything unnecessary at all um, because everything's going to land. So we're all really feeling it. Um, but the boys know it's just we have to do this struggle right now to get our long-term result. And tell us a little bit about that. Um, fill, fill people in on that. I know me and Rex both know about that, but the listeners might not know exactly what's going on. Talk a little bit about, you know, some of the boys had mentioned, you know, there's 100, over 100 boys there. There's only three rooms. It's crowded. Um, I mean, you guys are obviously making do, but it's crowded. So the, the big goal right now is, is a land acquisition, building more on there. Um, are you, do you have to turn boys away now because of space or are you just, you know, you're obviously doing whatever you can. And then talk just a little bit more about this land acquisition, which the plan is and kind of paint that picture of, of, of where global uh, hope rescue is going to. Joe, are you going to say it to me? <laughs> just say, I'll, I'll talk a problem. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm talking too much in the land. Uh, yeah, so in um, June, Joe and I went to um, a bl- an acre and a half of land um, just near our centre, actually now, just a few kilometres out of Gong. So um, we just absolutely love it. Um, the landlord and the agent were telling us there's already been offers put in um, so it wouldn't be able to be held and then... We were just like begging and we convinced them. So she's, they've given us six months to raise the money, um, even though they've already got offers, which is amazing. Um, we're so grateful for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so now it's just raising that money and even we can start with um, a half acre, just um, not the one and a half if that's the only money we can get. So that's 50000 um, US that we need to start. And we have um, donors committed to do the build for free. So it's just literally the land. So I'm like, wow. all of this can't align so perfectly to not yeah. get this money. You know, like who, who is the Australian donor? He just wants to remain anonymous for now. But yeah, he was like, if you can, if you can get this money, I'll build 
that for you. So it's and, like, well, and to put things in perspective, a half acre, what size roughly are you guys at right now? Only seven, uh, in us to so 5,000 us dollars. That's me working 10 hours a day for the last month and a half. No, I was asking like the, what size? the, the size of your place. That oh, you're our land. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, like 300 square meters. Maybe. Yeah, it's small. Yeah, it's it's tiny. It's tiny. Like we have, um, we've built semi-permanent structures on the land. We're in now just to make some room, but now it's totally out. Like the boy said, some are sleeping four in a single bunk bed. Um, we we do have boys like knocking on the gate. We don't have space, but we don't turn anyone away because we know the dangers out there. So the boys are amazing. They know, you know, accepting this boy in means less room in the bed for you, but they know what's out there. So they never ever, you know, we don't turn away. But we are getting calls of, you know, like come to this rescue mission and stuff. But at the moment, we're just not capable. Yeah. We can't take in another. If I went to the streets of Nairobi, it's not just one. I could bring back a hundred. Yeah, I'm sure. So it's like, yeah, even Joe is like, he knows. And how big is the city? The city's where you're at, Joe, is, is it Gong? Is that what it's called? How big is the city? Yes. Um, I don't know if I can, I can be able to tell you exact measurement. <laughs> oh, no. How many people would you guess? Maybe. In total, we have maybe about 400,000. Okay. How much? How many did you say, Joe? About half a million. The whole of Ngong. Hmm. I Googled it. <laughs> I was checking. Yeah. No, so it's not, it's not a small town. It's, it's quite big. Something? Yes? It's okay. Now you say something about the land. Now, our project has been known in about four counties in Kenya. This project has been known to be the best project for transforming street children. But the funny thing, the government is not supporting us in terms of finances. Hmm. They can give us more is committing these kids to us completely through the children's court for these kids to belong here. That mm. one they within fortnight and they give they allow us like they give me like the, the total custo, custody of the children. Um that means we are protected legally because they also renew our certificate and register it. But when I ask them about school fees, about land, about anything. I've taken about maybe 10 proposals in different government agencies, but they never respond over five years. So um, even the street kids themselves, they know that this project exists. So what we do now, because of our challenge we, we encounter now with the land, I don't go to the street the way we used to go. We used to go to the street when we had fewer boys. We could go to the street, feed them, and come with some boys here. Nowadays, we don't, we don't go. Because I know anytime I visit the street, I have to come with the two or three boys every time. Yeah. So, which is not good according to me. But now these boys come by the, on their own. They have done their own research and they know about this project. So they come, two of them, very dirty. Even sometimes when mud is here, you find two street boys coming with drugs and they said we have been directed from a town very far to come to this project and we have been told this is our home. 
And now what do we do from there? Yeah. Never t- yeah. we could never turn away. Some never will come yeah. on a bus for like 12 hours. So yeah. you can't you can't turn them away. The permanent solution that no boy from the street will come here get disturbed. We are going to accommodate them comfortably because we, we we need to build good houses, enough houses, put enough beds for them such that when they come they have the door opened for them and because they are transforming they are really showing us that they want to change. So we don't feel it okay to offend them by telling them go back until we get enough space for them. So this land is really an important thing now and we don't sleep like for me I don't sleep at night. Every time I'm coming at land. Even today I went to that land. I go every day to confirm that it is still there. Even yesterday I was there. I have to go and tell people that this land is ours. <laughs> go away. Come on this land. This is ours because I'm sure that we will get it if we get enough people to come and support us with the smallest support ever. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Well, we, and it's just stressful because like the international people are buying land in Kenya so quick. So even I went and saw land in June and I was like, okay, let me come and show Joe the next day and I called, sold. And I was like, it's been on the market for two days. So like, yeah, the Chinese offered me double. Wow. How do I say no to that? And I'm like, oh my God, how am I ever going to, if we don't get it now, we'll never get the money because it's increasing every month. What's yeah. the deadline uh, that you guys have till? Out of January, they're going to hold it until. They said in January we can't find it because we have about about ten people who are asking for that land. Even Jan- so December that. now. Hey, yeah. <laughs> December. We have to December. And the best way of supporting that is through Evie Grace Foundation, yeah. correct? Yeah. So we have the um, account here in um, Australia because it just makes it all a bit easier. Um, so they can donate through even like they can they can donate through global website the Evie Grace website. We have a Raisley, we have an Indiegogo. I'm literally setting up <laughs> like 20 ways that people can donate just so it's easy. But um, yeah, and any contribution is like if if we have you know 100 people sitting there thinking, oh, what's my 10 dollars going to do? That's a thousand dollars. Yeah, we only need 50,000 US. Yeah. You know that it's such a help. It's such a help. People don't even realize and. It's it's life and death, like Joe said. How do you how do you say no to a boy and say, "Oh, come back when we have land"? They won't be alive. You know, another week on the street, mob justice being beaten to death. Mm. They don't have a week. They don't have. We don't even have four months actually. There's boys dying tonight. For sure. Well, you know, we're going to do everything on our end to, to be able to get this, and so people can learn about the Abby Grace Foundation and, and learn what you guys are doing. So, uh, you know, hopefully we'll be able to to help you guys out in some form. Yeah. Um, everything I, I feel like is, is amazing. And, you know, you're such a blessing for the children there and for the next generation. I mean, really that's what you're doing is you're just helping, uh, you know, all these, these young men turn into good men instead of going down the path they are on. So really really amazing what you guys are doing because these boys will never you know they've seen what they had their dads behave they've seen how other men on the street treated them they will never touch a woman wrong like we you know the human rights education that i'm doing there they're transforming every day and the boys that used to 
you know, when they first come and they're violent and then they, they say rude things about girls or wanting to get in a fight or whatever and now they're the ones, they're the leaders in the school telling the other kids, hey, this isn't right. Like she's also a human being or why, why do you want to fight? Violence doesn't solve anything. So to see that is a massive change because it's like, you remember that was you, yeah? And the yeah. boy's like, I can't believe I was ever like that, Maddie. Like <laughs> they're just, they're amazing. Yeah. Well, I think I think we could talk for hours and hours and hours, and maybe what we'll have to do, you know, we'll, let's let's plan on doing a follow up. Um, Definitely. When you guys get the land, when the land is there, because we know it's going to happen, right? We all know it's going to happen. So when the land is is purchased and you guys have it, we'll do a follow up, um, and you guys can give updates and whatnot. But yeah, I speak for Rex. I'm so grateful that we were able to make this happen. Um, it's inspiring what you guys are doing. It's impactful in your local community. It's going to be impactful in the world. Um, and just, you know, I just want to thank you guys for being able to jump on this call. Joseph, thank you for battling the Kenyan Wi-Fi yeah. to make it happen. And, and, uh, one, also too, thanks for letting the boys come on there. Yes. Uh, and you know, if, if you guys are okay with it, I think it'd be great to chop some of those up if we can in the little clips and like, you know, post those too. Um, because that's, just tells the story. There's, there's human beings behind this. It's not just me and Joe. It's the 110 individual boys that yeah. if we don't get the land, they suffer. Yeah. It's yeah. them that are going to, yeah. So that's why we're doing it. But we thank you so much for giving us this platform. Um, it's just about getting the word out there. So we're super grateful. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Joe is very happy. I can see his grin. Like, oh, people <laughs> finally, finally learning of my work because yeah. I, I know he struggled for a good five years sacrificing everything before he received help. So to push through for that long, like I know how stressed I am. And so he's done amazing. He's really my inspiration. You're both amazing. So yeah, both amazing. You know, what you're doing is making a huge difference out there. Thank you so much for, for taking action. Cause really that it all starts there. So Joe hats off to you for taking action. Maddie hats off to you for taking action. Yeah, thank you guys. If you liked today's episode, you can find more information at mycorneruniverse.com. And don't forget to subscribe. Thank you.